those of you who have them with you this morning and turn to the fifth chapter of the Gospel of John. Don't want to waste a lot of time this morning. I want to jump right into this passage of Scripture, which I believe is one of the most important passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. It is certainly one of the richest. It's one of the most challenging to me personally. It's deep. It's profound. It is the place in Scripture where with the greatest clarity, Jesus proclaims himself to be God. Don't forget that John told us in the 20th chapter of his gospel that the reason that he wrote his gospel was so that we might believe that Jesus is God and that in believing we might have life. In the fifth chapter of the Gospel of John, we see Jesus healing a lame man by the pools of Bethesda. And we see that this miracle ends up being quite the controversial event there in Jerusalem during one of the feast times. When the man is asked who healed him, he gives up Jesus. Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees. He's confronted by the Pharisees because he has performed a work or a deed on the Sabbath. But when he responds to the Pharisees, they become even more angry at him. His response to the Pharisees was very, very simple. I am equal with God the Father. God the Father and I are one. It's His words. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am not a representative of the Father. I am God, is what He was saying to these religious leaders that we call the Pharisees. They confronted Jesus and they were very, very angry. These verses, verses 18 through the end of the chapter, verse 47, I have watched three different videos this past week that depicted this event. In each of those videos, I, I see Jesus seemingly angry, raising his voice, getting in the face of the Pharisees, yelling almost. But you know what? The more I... I think about this passage of Scripture, the more I try to put it into the cont- in context of what actually happened, the, m- the more I try and discern the events of that day. I, I, don't, I don't see Jesus being angry. I-, I see Him in a very, very calm way explaining to the Pharisees and more importantly, to those who are followers of His that He is God. We must make that truth. Jesus is God. A part of who we are. We must embrace that truth. It must be part of our identity, our understanding, our our application that Jesus is God. We find it easy to kind of separate the two. We don't think of God the Father when we see Jesus being spat upon and cursed 
and a crown of thorns placed on his head and mocked and nailed to a cross. We don't, we don't think of God the Father. But Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and the Father and I, we are one. Jesus proclaims, I am God. I get a, a whole different sense of what's taken place when I think of people spitting in the face of God. I think it's important that we come to a place where we continually in our walk, in our spiritual journey, are reminding ourselves of the deity of Jesus Christ. It is essential in our relationship with Him. You can't have a relationship with Him without understanding and believing and giving yourself to His deity, that He is deity. What I'd like to do this morning is read this passage of Scripture. It's a long passage of Scripture. I'm going to pray before we read it that God would help us, the Holy Spirit would help us to focus on this Scripture. It'll be easy for you to allow your minds to wander somewhere else. But I'm asking you to to make a conscious effort, a decision. I'm going to focus on this. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to speak to me through His Word. His Word is alive. This is His Word. And He is speaking to you through His Word. I'm asking you to, to say, I'm going to, I'm going to listen. I'm going to absorb. I'm going to contemplate. I'm going to receive God's Word in my life this morning. As we read this passage of Scripture, I, I want you to see three statements of Jesus where He proclaims that He is God. And I want you to see evidences. There's five that, I've, that I have found in this Scripture. Maybe there's more, but I found five that are, that, that, that are signs or they're, they're evidences that He gives that He is God. So Lord Jesus, we open up Your Word. Not a book, but it's Your Word. It's active. It's alive. It penetrates our hearts. It reveals You to us. Lord, give us a, a heart for Your Word this morning. Give us ears to hear Your Word and Your voice this morning. And may we see you accomplish what only you can accomplish in the lives of your people, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 5 and beginning in the 18th verse. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, this is, this is very, very important. <laughs> you got to hear this. Don't let this slip by. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Jesus is responding to something that the Pharisees had said to Him. What He had said to them, we, we see in the, in the 18th verse. He, they were upset with Him, it says here, not only because He was breaking the Sabbath, 
but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. That's exactly what the Pharisees were hearing Jesus say. I am equal with God. I am God. In, in Jesus saying that, we, we get his first proclamation that he is calling himself God. They're angry at him. He, he says to them, listen to me, this is very important. you got to get this. I do nothing of my own accord, but only what I see my Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing. Greater works than these will He show Him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. Here's His second statement that He is God. I have the authority to give life. I have the authority to take life, and I have the authority to give life. In verse 22, the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Here's a third statement. I am the judge. He says to these religious leaders and to those who are His followers, to you and me this morning, I am equal with God. I have authority to give life. And ultimately, I am the one who will judge. All judgment has been given to the Son that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He is saying that He is worthy of the same honor that God is worthy of. God is worthy of honor and the Son is worthy of honor. It is an honor that they share together. He is equal with God. He is God. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. And truly, truly, I say to you, you got to get this. This is so important. Whoever hears My Word and believes in Him who sent Me has eternal life. He has that authority. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Our salvation is in Jesus Christ. And no other name can one be saved? Our salvation is in Jesus Christ. We must make it a priority in our lives to share the good news of Jesus Christ with every person, every man, woman, and child. That's got to be a priority of this church. It's got to be our heart. It's got to be on our minds. It's not something that we can put on the shelf on Sunday evening and live Monday through Saturday not thinking about the responsibility, the calling the command that we've been giving to share the good news that salvation is in the person of Jesus Christ. Verse 25, this is the third time he says, you got to get this. This is so very, very important. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. This is the second time that he has said that when we hear his word, that's when salvation comes. It is His Word. He calls us to Himself. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He granted the Son also to have life in Himself. And He has given Him authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. The Son of Man is a, 
is a term for the Messiah that we see from the Old Testament. And these Pharisees knew exactly what he was saying when he said, I am the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life, they come out to the resurrection of life. Those who have chosen the name of Jesus, who have received the name of Jesus, who have spoken the name of Jesus will have life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Once again, he is saying, I am the judge. Verse 30, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not deemed true. Now, in verse 32, he begins to give us these five evidences, signs, manifestations, maybe, that give proof that he is exactly who he said he is. In verse 32 says, there's another who bears witness about me. I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. You remember we studied in the first chapter of the Gospel of John that the religious leaders of the day sent a delegation to investigate John the Baptist, to interview John the Baptist, to find out what he was doing and what he was all about. He made clear to them that he was not the Messiah. He was the forerunner to the Messiah. He was telling people that there is one who is coming. Verse 34, not that the testimony that I received from man... He has borne witness, I'm sorry, not that the testimony that I receive from man, but I say these things so that you might be saved. John the Baptist, he was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light, in his message that the Messiah was coming. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works, here's the second thing. The first is John the Baptist, the testimony of John the Baptist, the witness of John the Baptist, the words of John the Baptist. Here's the second thing. The works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. So not only John the Baptist, but what you see me doing, my involvement in the lives of people, the miracles, the supernatural acts, are testimony that I, in fact, am God and equal with God. And the Father who sent me has borne witness about me. Not only John the Baptist, not only his works, but God the Father speaks to us and bears witness that Jesus is God. His voice you have not heard, His form you have not seen, and you do not have His word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom He has sent. But we do. And God the Father bears witness to us and gives testimony to us that Jesus, His Son, is in fact God. So, John the Baptist, Jesus works, God the Father, Verse 39, and you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. The Scriptures bear witness that Jesus is God. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name. 
you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes only from God or from the only God? Do you think that I will accuse you to the Father? There is one who accuses you. Here's the fifth evidence. Moses, on whom you have set your hope. Moses, who is your hero? Moses, who gave you the law? Moses, who is the one whom his, from what he has given us, you have, you have built your life around the one that has given you the law from God. If you believed Moses, then you would believe me. Moses testifies of me. Moses proclaims that I am the one, that I am the Messiah, that I am God, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? It is so imperative that we understand who Jesus is. I wonder if someone asked you, who is Jesus? What your response would be in the 11th chapter of Matthew, the 9th chapter of Luke, we are confronted with this question. Jesus, in speaking to his disciples, he just simply asks them, who do you say that I am? Who do you say Jesus is? In preparation for this message, Arthur and I took a look at some videos on YouTube. We found three videos. There were many more. We, we looked at three videos that were on-the-street interviews of people. They were just selected randomly. People went up to them and stuck a microphone in their face and said, who do you say Jesus is? I don't know. We listened to probably 40 testimonies. The, the, the vast majority who answered that question answered something like this. I believe that he lived. I believe that he was a great teacher. I believe he was a compassionate man. I believe he was a prophet. But that's the extent of it. I don't believe it goes anything beyond that. Who do you say that Jesus is? He asks us that question this morning. Our response to that question, our belief in who he is, changes our life. Makes a difference in how we live. The Christian faith rests entirely on the correct answer to Jesus' question in Matthew, I said 11, it's chapter 16, to Jesus' question that we see in Luke chapter 9, who do you say that I am? Is this important? Listen, if Jesus is the promised Messiah, if he's the eternal son of God in human flesh, who died on the cross in the place of sinners, who was raised bodily from the dead, who was coming again in power and glory to judge the living and the dead, if He's who He says He is, everything else is secondary. Nothing is more important than that. 
You may in your Christian journey and your experience have difficulties in some of the things that the Bible teaches and some of the things that you have a hard time reconciling and some of the things you can't resolve. But those things are secondary to the truth that Jesus is God and salvation is in Jesus alone and no one else. Those things have to be secondary. You might struggle with hard questions like, why do little children have to suffer and die? Why does someone we love have to die prematurely, it would seem? And why do some people never have a chance to hear the gospel? Those questions are secondary. You might struggle with doubts because of personal trials or, or perceived unanswered prayers, but those who struggle do not undermine the truth of Christianity that Jesus is God and salvation can be had only in Him. If Jesus is who He claimed to be and who the Bible proclaims Him to be, then the entire Christian faith stands on that truth and that truth alone. If He is not who He claimed to be, then our faith in Christ would be in vain, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Unless you've been hidden under a rock somewhere, you've probably heard maybe liberal professors or theologians say that Jesus never claimed to be God. The Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, hold Jesus in high esteem. They even claim to believe in Him, but they deny that He is God. They deny His true deity. There are many others who think that Jesus was a great moral teacher and a great moral example but do, they do not affirm that he is God. I found this past week in my study a, a quote. It's one that maybe you've heard before from C.S. Lewis. He kind of slams the door shut on this idea that Jesus can be good but not be God. That Jesus can be moral but not be God. That Jesus can be a great example for us to follow, but he's not God. C.S. Lewis writes in his book, Mere Christianity. I'm just going to read this to you if you would allow me. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or else he would be the devil of hell. You got to make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something even worse, you can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense that his being a, about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He never intended to. You've got to decide, is Jesus crazy? Or is he God? That decision, that decision will have drastic effects on how you live your life and on where you spend eternity. How does believing that Jesus is God impact us? It's important for me to believe that Jesus is God when someone that I love dies. That's important. It's important for me to believe that Jesus is God when I die. But what else? 
What beyond that? How does it impact my life today? I believe that when we embrace this reality, this truth that Jesus is God, it begins to change us. It begins to make a difference in our lives by the very words that Jesus himself taught us. It begins to help us to understand what our priorities are in life. It begins to help us to understand what is most important and what is secondary. There is a number of scriptures that I could have used this morning. I, I look at Luke chapter 9. It's in the ninth chapter that Jesus looks eyeball to eyeball to his disciples and he says, who do you say that I am? It was Peter who answered and his answer and as given in Luke was, you are the Christ from God. You are the Christ of God is what the scripture says. Jesus takes what Peter says and he begins, he begins to teach the disciples and he begins to have words for us today that are so valid in our personal experience, our daily experience, our spiritual journey. Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You want to be my follower? You want to be a follower of Jesus? You want to go beyond being a fan? You want to go beyond being a friend? You want to go beyond uh, offering a, a, a few songs to Him on Sunday morning? You want to be a follower of Jesus? Jesus says you got to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross. Jesus knew that there would be Thousands upon thousands, yea, millions of people who would die because they proclaimed the name of Jesus. He knew that. Would He call us to take up our cross? Would He call us to be willing to die for His name's sake if He knew that He was not the Son of God? He would be a madman if that were the case. But we believe that Jesus is God. That Jesus gave Himself for us. We make a commitment that we are going to follow Him. He teaches us that if we're going to follow Him, that we have to deny ourselves. That we have to have this, this daily commitment. This daily process of decision making. That it's not what I want, it's what He wants. That I'm going to deny myself my desires and I'm going to seek after His desires. This changes the way that we live. It changes the way that we pray. We pray and, and we say, God, here's my needs and here's how my life can be more comfortable and here's how you can provide for me and here's how you can protect me. And God, I'm on my knees, I'm on my face, I'm lifting up my voice. God, please meet my needs, make my life comfortable. But as we said last week, God is so much more interested and concerned about our character than He is our comfort. And so for us to set aside our desires and have a kind of prayer where we say, you are, I want you to be my, my desire. I want you to be what my life is about. I want to desire you above all things. That's denying self. You want to be my follower? You've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross. 
You know what that means? Look, the disciples knew exactly what that meant. He was talking about death. I don't know how many of you just, you feel threatened. Your life is threatened because of your belief in Jesus. Jesus calls us to, calls us to take up our cross to follow Him even until death. And we're not threatened with death, but, but we'll deny the name of Jesus or we'll, we'll keep it under our hats or we won't breathe His name or we won't speak His name or we won't share His name because we're afraid somebody might laugh at us. We won't tell somebody about Jesus because we'll be the fanatic in the office. Maybe we feel some, some degree of persecution even in this great community, this great country that we live in. We fail to speak the name of Jesus and proclaim the name of Jesus. If you want to be my follower, you've got to take up your cross. You have to deny yourself, it says. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. It's, it's Jesus' promise that, that I'm asking you to give up your life, and in giving up your life, you'll experience life like you've never experienced it before. Do you believe me? Do you trust me? I am God, he says to us. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Mark says his soul. And then he says this, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father of the, and of the holy angels. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words. What is he speaking of there? His words, his words. He uses words that we shy away from. Words like hell. If you don't already know this this morning, you need to know that I believe that hell is real. That we should speak more about it. That quite frankly, the greatest reason to come to faith in Christ is to miss hell. You know, as a nine-year-old boy, that's why I wanted to become a Christian, because somebody, somebody got up and preached on hell. And I thought to myself, I don't want to go to hell. I don't. You know what? I don't want you to go to hell. When I, when I begin to kind of embrace and, and, and allow this truth to be a part of my life that Jesus is God and His words become more and more real to me and I begin to understand that hell is real. And that, that our salvation is in the person of Jesus and without that salvation, hell is the destiny. Hell is the reality. That ought to move me. That ought to drive me. That ought to be a force in my life. Hell is real. Sin. We don't talk about sin enough. That's part of Jesus' words. He says, you're going to be ashamed of me and my words? Sin is what separates us from God. Sin is what sends us to hell. And if I love, if I truly love, if I say to you I love you, then it ought to be a burden on my heart that you would miss hell. You can't miss hell unless sin is dealt with. 
Sin is dealt with only in the person of Jesus Christ. He died on that cross. He took my place. He paid the penalty for my sin. I throw myself at that. I have faith in that. I believe that. I trust that. His words are true. He is God. And he saved me. What about you this morning? I know that I speak to those this morning who have never placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I, I pray for you. I want you to know that this is no fairy tale. That the evidence is clear. Jesus is real and he is God. He calls you to himself. He paid your penalty for sin. He asks you to believe in him and to trust him and to have faith in him. I speak to more people this morning who find casual Christianity to be just fine with them. I say to you, if you believe with everything inside of you that Jesus is God, that's not an option. He says, you want to be my follower? Deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. He says, here is your priority. Jesus is first. Everything else is secondary. That when we pray, we pray that he would be our greatest desire. That when we pray, we pray that it would be his will done in our lives and not our own. That that would be the the focus of our prayer life. That he's more interested in our holiness than our happiness. He's more interested in those things that pertain to eternity and then those things that pertain to the temporal. That's his perspective. We deny ourselves. We take up our cross and we follow him. You evaluate your life. I don't know. Just go back a week. Is he your greatest desire? Savior? And Lord, I want to invite you to stand. Some of you feel a need that you have to come and pray. I invite you to do that. Unless you ask us, we're going to allow you to pray on your own. But we have people here who will speak with you about a relationship with Jesus. About his priority in your life. serious business. This is important. God, may you have your your way, your desire, your will in every heart and life this morning.